0: up guys it's kevin and on today's show we're going to dive in on some nfl offseason updates as they pertain to fantasy football as well as answering some of the questions that have been raised around the fantasy football community make sure to check us out on twitter and instagram after the show hit us with a five-star review on apple podcast and don't forget to subscribe let's roll
1: this is darren waller and you're listening to the tutty talk podcast Streaming from beautiful Portland, Oregon, for all things fantasy football. This is the Tutty Talk Podcast.
0: Barkley with a burst. Barkley down the sideline. Saquon Barkley.
2: Jackson, Jackson himself. Look at him. Turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. He did what? It's a C-Mac attack. I'm really
1: not into dreams. Anymore. Okay, I'm in the A lot of people
2: ain't gonna be able to take that over and 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 over again.
1: you like that! Do like that! Here are your hosts, Bryce Wells. I'm gonna I'm
0: gonna say it. I'm gonna put you on blast
1: Kevin Nelson.
0: It's a damn shame because Pete Carroll is wasting Russell Wilson and there's nothing we can do about it.
1: And Chase Duscalos.
0: No,
2: Lamar Jackson is going to be a top five quarterback.
0: What is going on? A day late with the pod, but that's all right. We're here. It's the summer. It's the off season and we're back and ready to roll again with episode 15. Happy to have you with us this week, fellas. I'm Kevin. Of course, as always, every week, joined by Bryce and Chase. Bryce, we will start with you. You're in the studio, downtown Portland. What's up, man? How are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. I'm staring at this beautiful sunny day from uh, the sixth floor of the PacWest Center and Mm. uh, wishing I was outside right now, but I'm more happy to be here speaking with you fellas, and I am doing good. So let's get this thing going.
0: Sweet. Chase, how are we doing from AZ?
1: See, I'm tired of the heat, but
2: I'm packing up right now, moving back to Oregon here in the next week, so super excited about that. Um, And ready to kind of get out of here Get out of the desert and head back to the valley So uh, yeah, I'm ready to roll, super pumped up Can't wait to move in with you guys
0: Hell yeah, we're ready to go The Tidy Talk Podcast, under one roof Hmm. One studio, back together again Mm -hmm. sometime soon this summer So let's get right into it, NFL off-season updates so far I mean, in the last couple of weeks there's been a lot of them Obviously with COVID and everything there hasn't been a lot to talk about But the updates that we have gotten have been pretty valuable as they pertain to fantasy football and whatever drafts you got going on right now, we're just planning for the season ahead. There's never too much preparation that you could put into a season, um, especially this one with all the downtime that we have. So figure that we just dive right in and get after it. Up first from Pittsburgh, Deontay Johnson told reporters this week that he sustained a groin injury in week two of last year. Now, given the production that we saw, the lack of quarterback play that we saw, Deontay Johnson had a pretty damn good season for his first year and he did it injured like Bryce I know you're a Deontay Stan and and maybe a part of this hype train not at the front of it but definitely on it for Deontay this offseason fantasy what has you excited about him going into year two
1: yeah so I mean we can expect that there's got to be some sort of sophomore year jump here right you know big Ben's coming back whether or not his arm stays together and as well as his whole body Um, We can assume that Deontay Johnson takes a step forward in year two, but you know, you and I went back and forth about Deontay Johnson and James Washington this morning, and I think overall, I want to focus more on James Washington here. There's a lot of hype building behind the Deontay Johnson um, second year breakout, and I just want to clarify that when we look back to last year, we had a similar kind of argument about who's going to be the wide receiver two in Pittsburgh. And I think about the days when Dante Moncrief and James Washington were getting argued between fantasy analysts across the community about which one of these guys is going to turn out to be the wide receiver two. And if if I'm incorrect, please say something, but I seem to remember people saying that Dante Moncrief was going to be the lead guy for that number two uh, wide receiver spot, and everyone disregarded James Washington. Now, last year, James Washington slightly outproduced Deontay Johnson, even though Deontay Johnson had the better finish, but now we're at this similar argument whether or not James Washington or Deontay Johnson now is going to be the wide receiver two on this team. Why is it that James Washington is in the back seat all the time on this team. I, I just feel like it comes down to one simple answer. He's just not good enough. And for Deontay Johnson to do what he did his first year, I think we need to reevaluate the situation again, similar to the Dante Moncrief and James Washington argument, and really uh, figure out which guy is going to be the, num- the number two guy. And I, I have to lean Deontay Johnson
0: here's where i kind of get a little bit weirded out about this situation is the the bodies that they keep adding you know like they they drafted chase claypool they added eric gebron um added another running back in the draft uh anthony mcfarland like they, they they keep adding to the offense right and i know the quarterback sucked last year i'm not Banking on Big Ben staying healthy for all 16 games, so we can kind of throw that at the window. And Juju is still the number one. He played hurt last year too, and I know he missed some time. But do you really want to draft Deontay Johnson where he's being drafted right now, as opposed to where you could get James Washington, which is basically undrafted? I mean, you can, after all things considered, after your draft, if you're like, "Eh, I don't know about this guy, I took him where I took him, whatever, you could go pick up James Washington. You can't do that with Deontay Johnson right now because of the hype that he's built. And really, he didn't really wow us that much. I mean, he had a top 45 finish, like right there at half point PPR, 40th in standard and 47th in PPR, I believe. Like, I'm just not head over heels for Deontay Johnson where he's going right now as pertains to ADP where I could just, basically throw James Washington on my roster late and basically have the same opportunity, so to speak. Deontay Johnson finished second in receiving on the team, although he did have more catches and more touchdowns, but the leading receiver in total yards was James Washington last year. So to me, they're they're pretty even, and where you're having to draft Deontay Johnson and the guys that are around him at ADP right now, it's just not worth it.
2: I like Deontay Johnson, and for the record, I tweeted about a Deontay Johnson breakout two months ago. Huh? So I was on the train, but I like it when the train's going super steady and moving along. But this train is not moving steady. It's on a fucking crash course for the moon, and I'm getting off of it because <laughs> I agree. I'm just not going to draft him. When this is all said and done, his ADP is going to be ridiculous. Um, I'm a value guy. We're going to talk about value veteran wide receivers later too. It's just, I just can't, I just can't do it. We're going to be at the moon here in three days when everyone is on Deontay Johnson.
0: I'll flip it to this Christian Kirk or Deontay Johnson. They're back to back in ADP. That to me is like, what? (laughs) I, you mean the rising star quarterback and, and this guy in the slot all the time or big Ben and hopefully Deontay Johnson in a similar role. That's not even close for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the allure of Kyler Murray is, is probably the side you're going to lean. Um, but we know Big Ben likes to air it out. And I don't think he's not the type of guy that's just going to throw fewer times just because he had a, a, a surgery. Yeah, he just doesn't come off as that type of, of player.
0: Um, I just don't think he'll last. That's all
1: yeah and and that is a a major concern and i think that's a concern for for everyone regarding uh big ben i think it's just so interesting that last year we have we have this argument about dante moncrief and i'm assuming that he is his adp at the time was way lower than james washington We're, we're gambling here right um i think when it comes to dynasty we're probably gonna want the younger guy but at the same time, James Washington's only going into his third year. So it's not like he's old or anything. And and I see the, the argument behind it. I just, I like what I've seen from Deontay Johnson, especially in his first year. Um, And the fact that he was able to do what he did with the situation is, is something that I, I, I just feel like I'm okay with gambling on when it comes to the 2020 season. And the fact that he, Kind of took that role and ran, not ran away with it, but if you're going to be part of the red zone offense and be one of the top targets because Juju's out and you had to fill that role as a rookie, you know he's the wide receiver one slash two along with James Washington um, in his first year, and he wasn't able to crumble. That's impressive to me, and and the hernia injury on top of that, it, it's 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 impressive. I I, I just have to. Um, roll the dice on one, and I want to lean Deontay Johnson.
0: We'll let the the listener at home make the decision on ADP, but the the choice is yours. You ride with Bryce and the hype, or save it for another player. Let's move on. Spend way too much time on Deontay Johnson. The guy went to fucking Toledo. Okay, Redskins offensive coordinator Scott Turner said he's going to have to get the ball to Antonio Gibson creatively with J.D. McKissick and Steven Sims. Now the creative word is what is pulled out of that sentence. You go, oh God! Like, didn't that did they do that in Memphis with him too? Like, it's not it's not a bell cow. It's not this premier wide receiver. It's creative touches. Bryce, you got more on that?
1: I totally. I mean, you you nailed it. I f- creatively is the key word here. Now it it is coach speak. So, and it's early in the season, so we can't really take it and run with it, but with how crowded that backfield is and and the fact they plan on using ap again for another year i i can't find a reason to want to draft antonio gibson in rookie drafts unless he falls deep into the third round i think there's just other guys i'd rather roll the dice on and um yeah anytime you hear a coach use that word it's just it's clear as day that they can't make him a feature player and that they're going to try to use them in many different ways. Now that can come off as a good thing at times, but I think in this situation in Washington, uh, this is a bad sign already for Antonio Gibson. If you're looking for immediate production in year one,
2: we've said this over and over and over again. Antonio Gibson is six foot two thirty, ran a four three nine. The dude needs to play running back. He just, he needs he needs to play running back, and the creatively word there is disgusting because it's like, well, where where are you going to put him at then? If he's not in the backfield, are you going to stick him in the slot out wide? Like, The dude's a tank. I just can't see him playing wide receiver. Uh, One interesting thing, though, that I wanted to talk about is Antonio Gibson is a third round in in rookie drafts. He's a third round pick in rookie drafts. And I've seen Keyshawn Vaughn go in the first. Well, when you look at draft capital – Antonio Gibson went before Keyshawn Vaughn in the NFL draft. Antonio Gibson was a second pick in the third round, 302 in the NFL draft. Keyshawn Vaughn was the 312. Ronald Jones is there. Dare Ogumbowale is there. Is that crowded as well? And what is the huge difference between Antonio Gibson and Keyshawn Vaughn?
1: Yeah, I think the draft capital is is kind of a tease, you know, it's, uh, you look at it and you go, wow, okay, yeah, I, I could see why uh, Antonio Gibson could have more value just based purely on draft capital, but when has Washington ever drafted well? I mean, it's been, have they also been in a rebuild for 20 years? I mean, they haven't ever really taken a step forward. It's just hard for me to trust them with anything, you know, and, and Terry McLaurin's a great example. They got lucky there and we all had to adjust our rankings and, and how we uh, viewed Terry McLaurin going forward. I think this is just—he's just another guy that we have to wait and see before we make a move to acquire him.
0: Yeah, I—I I get the ADP thing, and and like he's going way way earlier than Antonio Gibson, and we liked Antonio Gibson a lot, you know, before the draft. It's unfortunate that he ended up in a crowded backfield because you know if he goes to somewhere. I don't know a team that has an older running back or something that he can kind of steal a show with an injury. He's not stealing the show even with an injury in Washington. Like they have so many guys there, you know, they may be walking corpses, but they're, they're still there and they're still taking away opportunity for him. Now, if he has one really good game, he could, you know, totally take over. But the opportunity for that is pretty much the, the most slim out of any team, uh, just because of how deep that, that backfield is with, fucking Bryce Love and JD McKissick and Geis and AP. And like, there's just, just so many guys there. Um, We'll see who even makes the team to be honest, but I know that Antonio Gibson will be one of those guys. So moving on from Washington to their former head coach. Now with the Jags offensive coordinator, Jay Gruden plans to feature DJ Chark all over the formation, including the slot. Well, after a great year from DJ Chark, in 2019 over a thousand yards 73 catches eight touchdowns and the leading receiver in Jacksonville he now gets to work with Gardner Minshew for a full complete season uh we like the sound of that we're big DJ Chark fans we've expressed that openly on the podcast Bryce like what's not to like about DJ Chark and why isn't his hype train maybe going a little bit faster than our buddy Deontay Johnson
1: well I You know, from an outsider's perspective, I watched you guys um, co-draft some best ball teams this last weekend, and I noticed that DJ Chark was on your rosters. And I'm just kind of surprised that he's going later than he is. Or, um, yeah, I guess later than he is. And he's a guy that literally can be in your wide receiver one spot on your rosters, and you can wait to pick him up after drafting three stud running backs and have him be your number one. It's, it's honestly that simple. And you guys did it in both of those best ball drafts. So to me, you know, it, with the Minshew train kind of catching some steam here too, I'm trying to acquire Minshew. Uh, I'm trying to acquire DJ Chark. And if you're able to get DJ Chark for a 2021 first, you should be smashing that right now because he's, He's super young, he's huge, and he's fast. And this team's going to be behind in so many games, if not all of them, that they are going to have to air it out with a quarterback that basically did that all of his college career. So there's the only thing not to like about DJ Chark is the fact that he's a, a Jacksonville Jaguar. That's all I have on him.
2: I think what it comes down to is skeptics and the fact that as a rookie, DJ Chark had 14 receptions the whole year. Um, so you go from goose egg to breakout, and I think people just want to see they haven't bought in yet. They want to see one more year they need to before they s- spend a twenty twenty first on this guy, and it's going to be too late because he's going to do it again. Um, and, but he also kind of finished the season, uh, he was a little banged up, but um, last six weeks, um, wide receiver 42 wide receiver 62 wide receiver 20 wide receiver 76 and wide receiver 52 that's bad in those given um respective weeks there so the end a, of the season a little skeptical about what he did his first year equals where exactly we are at right now
1: he doesn't have a lot of help you know he's clearly one of the few weapons on that offense i think defenses are going to hyper focus that guy and now that he's got a, a freak athlete with LaVisca Chenault playing alongside him, I think it's going to open the field up a little bit more. It's pretty exciting for that. the yeah, G- chart.
2: Factor in the capital that they put in Chenault too. is like the 208 or the 210 mm-hmm. um, in the NFL draft. So decent capital. There was rumors of them spending the their first-round pick on receiver, getting Judy or or Lamb. So Should be
1: interesting.
0: Don't forget D.D. Westbrook there as well. And congratulations to Uh, DJ Chark got engaged last week as well uh, to his longtime girlfriend. So way to go.
1: Congrats, buddy.
0: DJ Chark. Um, Moving on to Chicago. The Bears head coach Matt Nagy said both Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky will play with the starters during the preseason. We kind of envisioned that. They just finally came out publicly said that. It's going to be a quarterback competition there. It's the survival of the fittest. It's the survival of who's not as... Shitty as the other one in a lot of ways. We've seen some great things from Nick Foles in the past. We've also seen some bits of magic from Mitch Trubisky. But in the end, who's going to be the starter, Bryce?
1: I mean, we talked about this last week, right? And I think I was a little bit different than you guys. I thought that Mitchell Trubisky was going to at least be the starter for, you know, for the at least the th- first three weeks. And they're going to lose all three of those games. And the Nick Foles is going to come in and take over the job. Um, I'm not trying to overreact to this news. This is something we expected. And ultimately, I think Nick Foles is the better quarterback, just the more reliable quarterback. So I think we all know who's going to be the starter for the Chicago Bears for the majority of the 2020
2: season. I just, next, please. I don't want to spend another (laughs) word on Mitch
1: Trubisky. I'm the same boat.
0: (laughs) All right. Uh, moving over to the Colts, their head coach Frank Reich said that wide receiver Paris Campbell is going to play more in the slot this season. Something that we wanted to see last year, but we didn't get to see it because of injury. Well, now he has his slot dump off quarterback, Phillip Rivers, the king of that with Keenan Allen. Uh, Chase, you got more on this.
2: So Christian Kirk slot, C.D. Lamb slot, 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 everything slot. So what I did is i really am interested if there's any correlation between being in the slot and fantasy football production so i ran a bunch of different uh, linear regression models to figure out if there was any correlation between that basically what i came up with is that there isn't a single metric that i've found that shows that being in the slot is good for fantasy uh it's a complete myth slot rate to fantasy Points per game, there's zero correlation there. Slot rate to targets per game, there is zero correlation there. One interesting one I found is that, and if you think about it, it makes sense, is that slot rate to yards per reception actually has a negative 0.42 correlation. Um, that's a pretty strong negative correlation, meaning uh, the more you play in the slot, the lower your yards per reception go down. Sort of makes sense. Um, you know, you have your X receiver out wide. They might be running more streaks and the guy in the slot is kind of running underneath routes and intermediate routes across the middle. Um, So, but with that being said, there, there's nothing, there's nothing there. It's a myth when somebody says, Oh my God, I can't wait for, and I've been on this train. I'm guilty of this. And so that's really why I wanted to research it and see like, is there actually anything here? Oh, I love Christian Kirk. He's the Arizona Cardinal slot guy. Oh, Randall Cobb left. Dallas and c d lamb's gonna move into the slot in Dallas and play there full time there there's nothing there
0: yeah interesting.
1: I was also part of the I want to see my receivers in in the slot but it uh, wasn't. I know it, it's it's very interesting. I'm glad you did that kind of opened my eyes a little bit too um I think we need to go back to Paris Campbell here because I think this is a guy that is being out of all the second year receivers I want to say is the most slept on because of the fact that Michael Pittman is now in this offense and that Paris Campbell did nothing his first year. Well, yeah, he didn't do anything his first year because he was hurt the entire year. And now today, especially, you're seeing this. We're, we've said hype train maybe 20 times already today, But there's another <laughs> hype train for Paris Campbell all of a sudden out of nowhere. And I've been on this train since the day I drafted him and maybe I'm trying to talk myself into him acquiring the value that I drafted him at last year, which was in the middle of the first round because I thought he was going to play with Andrew fucking luck and he was a second round pick. So all, all the signs pointed to Paris Campbell being this beast of a receiver um, for years to come. And now Andrew Luck's gone and, and we've got Michael Pittman in and it's like that everyone's completely forgotten about Paris Campbell, who was, A dominant player at Ohio State who had to play behind guys like Michael Thomas and Curtis Samuel the entire time that he was there until his senior year, which is why he didn't have this massive resume of college production. Those guys are talented receivers. There was no way for him to find a way in there, especially in college. They just don't, they're going to play. There's almost a little bit of seniority playing here. I'm not saying that that's the case for every team, but. Paris Campbell is competing with Michael Pittman who has kind of a similar um college production resume where they only really did something their their last season at their school but Paris Campbell is is really young too so don't forget about this man you can get him super late in all your drafts no one's going to remember this guy um from last year because he didn't play i think it's an easy pick if you're if you're trying to you know hit it on a on a big time dart throw um that's my guy. You know, I've always liked Paris Campbell. So go out and draft him
0: down South to Miami. We go the Miami Herald's Barry Jackson reported that the dolphins are not opposed to playing in a fifth overall pick to attack in his rookie season. Well, like duh, no shit, but like when, when is that going to happen? So Ryan Fitzpatrick, probably the first few weeks, maybe the first six or eight weeks uh, to is said to be looking pretty healthy, looking strong. Ready to go. He did his pro day that was, you know, all videotaped and, and sent in. It looked like it was filmed with a fucking Pop Tart. So thanks to a, uh, <laughs> but it, he looked good. And a lot of people were like, hey, that, that's Russell Wilson, lefty, and how he looked at his pro day. But uh, Chase, your thoughts on that?
2: I have a question for you guys. Yeah. We like Miami as a little bit of a sleeper mm. um, in the AFC. Maybe they can make a little run with Fitzpatrick a quarterback and Miami. say Miami starts hot. They make a little surge. Could you see that holding off Tua coming into the lineup? Ryan Fitzpatrick. They're in contention in the in the AFC in their division in the AFC East, not necessarily in the AFC in general. But
0: they go four and you know, well, two to
2: start, the, right? Yeah, and we think that Tua. Okay, everyone's got it chalked up in their head that Tua is going to come in in weeks six, seven, eight, and all of a sudden Miami's four and two or five and three and they're in contention for a AFC wildcard spot, do you throw
1: Tua in there? Um, that's, that's tough, you know? Cause, no. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like Fitzpatrick is still the starter, um, at least for a few weeks. I think it's kind of dependent on how the team does. I feel like they're a lot better than what people were thinking, and if they start off hot, they have no reason to start Tua uh, if Fitzpatrick is the one leading the charge. So, I love Tua. I think Tua is the better talent here. But you could totally see this team running running with Fitzpatrick for a little while until we start seeing uh, some some poor play from him, if that even gets there. So,
0: I, no, it'll it'll get there. You're you're spot on. Yeah. Like. Ryan Fitzpatrick's never had like a four game stretch where he hasn't thrown a bajillion interceptions and right. know, really shit the bed. So yeah, he could start out really hot. I'd love to see it. You know, we've been pulling for Miami and the moves that they've made in the off season that things are going well. When things go well at the beginning, don't fuck it up. He's going to have one bad game. When the bad game happens, then of course it'll come into, oh, when's are going to start? It'll be the number one talked about thing in the NFL leading up to that game, which will probably be a shitter of a Thursday night game, and we'll all go, oh God, who's going to start? Fitzpatrick will go out, throw a couple picks, and they'll bring Tua in for the rest of the year. That's kind of, that's just what happens to Fitz Magic. And then Tua will get hurt, and he'll come back, and he'll save the season, they'll go 8-8 eight and eight or something like that. But... I hope that doesn't happen. That's his career, right? Like, he's he's... <laughs> He's not a reliable starter, and when things go wrong, they have the the next protege in the NFL and and Tua to to come right in. All right, moving on. Mike Silver from the NFL Network reported that free agent Devonta Freeman had a contract offer with the Seahawks. Supposedly, is willing to skip out the 2020 NFL season if he does not get the contract he's looking for. First, I want to know what the fuck this man thinks he's worth. <laughs> Second, go ahead and sit, buddy. There's running backs. Like We just talked about the depth in Washington, for God's sakes. I feel like most teams are like that. The one that sticks out is maybe Philly that is still kind of searching for another running back. But even Seattle, as banked up as they were, we're going to talk about them a lot here coming up. They had a lot of news. But even a team like that has running back depth. They don't even really need him. And and they were the ones that offered for him, you know? So, I think the only other running back that, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I missed this, Chris Ivory, has he signed anywhere? I don't think he has. Okay, so it's Devonta Freeman and Chris Ivory. Sorry, I'm leaning towards Chris Ivory at this point. Devonta Freeman is small, not fast, had a couple good seasons in Atlanta. Actually, really good. I think he was like top five, top ten. He was great in Atlanta for a while, yeah. Yeah, but now he's irrelevant. So... (laughs) if he doesn't take what a team is willing to offer him instead of holding out and saying that he's going to sit out, he's going to find himself without a job, not only this year, but in the future as well.
1: It's such a weird thing for him to want to skip. He doesn't want to skip the 2020 season, but he's got to be asking for an unreasonable amount of money. um, Because I feel like he's the type of guy, uh, any team would come calling to pick him up. You know, he he's just like a Frank Gore type of guy or a, I guess now a Jordan Howard type of player and you know he can fill a a backup role but at this point of his career you know we watched him last year he just didn't have the juice in the tank that everyone thought he was going to have I remember last year before the season started he was supposedly a great um, you know flex running back pickup in drafts and and I was just so far away from that And, and I'm even farther away from him now. Uh, if you haven't sold him by now at this point, uh, it's going to be too late, if not already. So you might be stuck uh, stuck with him or you're going to be dropping him because I think there's a good chance he doesn't play. And if he does, he might play for a couple weeks and then he'll be done because he's fragile and uh, there's not a lot of juice left in his tank.
0: Did I write this show sheet? Like the next three things are Seahawks stuff. All right, we'll start with the most... Important, I guess, when it comes to fantasy news. Today, the Seahawks made it official that they have signed running back Carlos Hyde. But NFL Network's Mike Silver reports that he's been recovering from surgery to repair a torn labrum. Um, From a football perspective of adding running backs to this team that rolled out retired Marshawn Lynch, I like this. I think it's a little too late in Carlos Hyde's career to be picking him up. I wanted him when he was at San Francisco and there were the rumors there and then he went to Cleveland and now Houston and all the movement that he's had in his career. I wanted him before all that when Marshawn Lynch first got injured in Seattle. Uh, Fantasy? Don't, please, please don't do it. Don't do it, Tony. Don't draft Carlos Hyde anywhere. Don't pick him up. He's not worth it. He's going to get one touchdown early in the season and everybody's going to freak out. But don't do it that's my take but Bryce you put this on here for a reason what do you got
1: I think Seattle thinks that um you know maybe if they add enough broken down running backs that uh, they'll be able to squeeze through their, themselves through the season I, I, he's not after last year shit I know and I think it's it's weird that they go out and add another guy just coming off of surgery I don't I don't. I don't get it. I. I really don't know what they. Seattle is so weird with running backs right now, and Chris Carson once again looking to be the starting running back. Um, at this point, I feel like he's got to be worth taking a shot at in fantasy football, but uh, I don't love doing it. The uh, there's no other. There's nothing else to say here, right? Like Carlos Hyde's not gonna probably be worthy enough. In your lineup, uh, production wise, so uh, I don't care about this headline, but um, you know we have to talk about it because he, he's a noteworthy player at the very least.
0: Moving on, Chris Carson, uh, he's going to be the starting running back. I mean, they—that's really all there is to it. The Times reported that they want him to be their primary guy. We don't see any real change in that. I think the only thing that really had any impact on this. Uh, and especially the signing is Rashad Penny, not recovering as well as they had hoped he would and, and having him ready at the start of the season. There's a world where Carlos Hyde is signed, did sign for $4 million, which is a pretty significant hit on the cap, especially with Clowney still a free agent. But anyway, Penny's not ready to go. Carlos Hyde's there on the team for the first handful of weeks. And then, you know, to make, you know, a move roster wise, they, they end up cutting him to get some of that money back. But, Carson's still the guy in Seattle, so you Carson stands. Go ahead and pick him in the third or fourth round. Good God. Okay, Uh, still in Seattle. ESPN 710 Seattle's John Clayton reports that Russell Wilson would love for the Seahawks to sign free agent wide receiver and leading diva Antonio Brown. He's got his wide receivers pretty much in order right now with Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, new addition Philip Dorsett, maybe Josh Gordon. And everyone's hopeful John Ursua and Seahawks Twitter community. But David Moore's there as well. They added Greg Olson. They've got their tight end Will Disley back. Jacob Hollister emerged out of literally nothing last year. And they drafted DJ Dallas. So they've got a lot of guys. Do they need Antonio Brown? Uh, I mean,
1: yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, it's Antonio Brown and Russell Wilson. What, what? Could be any better than that. I know we all hate Antonio Brown. Hate's a strong word. I'm not going to use hate. We dislike, Oof. we strongly dislike Antonio Brown because of his off-field bullshit that he always puts everyone through. But when Russell Wilson's coming out and saying he'd love to have him, I think I think that Seattle's organization needs to take a fucking hint and realize that they, despite drafting DK Metcalf, who has Great upside, looked really good last year. Lockett's filled his role. Russell Wilson just wants an elite player to throw to. And he's doing it nicely by saying, I want a guy like Antonio Brown. Russell needs to to dig deep and really bring out the anger that he's been penting up inside of himself and just say, I want a fucking elite receiver. Somebody fucking help me. Because right now, the NFC West is getting better every day and more and more competition out of the NFC along with it. And I don't think Russell Wilson believes that they can just run the ball the entire time this year and that he can save them in the fourth quarter every single game. Take a hint, Seattle. Maybe this is the right place for Antonio Brown. I don't think there personally is because Antonio Brown is an asshole. We need to get him out. let Let him go. Let's stop trying to force a narrative that needs to go to a team. But if he's to go to a team where he has a chance of winning a championship, Seattle would be the place for him to go.
2: He's been working out with Lamar Jackson and Hollywood Brown. And then the next week, he's catching passes from Dwayne Haskins. And then today I saw him. I don't know who was throwing him the ball, but he was wearing a Raiders helmet with his Steelers pants and his Pro Bowl uniform on so he's just kind of out all over the place i'm not buying into a single rumor of ab wants to go here or do this or do that personally i don't think anyone's touching him
0: i'll leave it with this uh today i can't remember who reported it but there there was somebody that said yeah okay the rumors of him going to seattle or any of these teams are pretty much you know fake made up because ab is gonna get hit with a, a suspension and no team wants to sign a guy that immediately is not even eligible so Uh, Seattle could be getting Josh Gordon back, and and maybe that's enough for them at the wide receiver position. Final update this week in the NFL offseason. NFL insider Adam Kaplan predicts running back Miles Sanders will receive 15 to 18 touches per game. Okay, Um, Chase, this is your boy. They don't have another running back. Boston Scott is the second guy there. We saw Jordan Howard depart for Miami. If we hope it's the Miles Sanders show. We hope he's finally unlocked into his final season at Penn State again. Um, but are we going to see that this year?
2: So for one, addressing the, the RBBC need, I've been vocal about this. Um, why did they, with J.K. Dobbins and someone who would actually fit their system better, sort of a thumper, A.J. Dillon, who we saw the Packers spend capital on, both those two on the board, the Philadelphia Eagles select their COVID quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Not a running back. Then they don't spend a single pick on running back throughout the draft. They go out afterwards and sign UDFA, Michael Warren, uh, a nobody. So they don't address it at all. Who's left? Who's left that they can sign?
1: Devontae Freeman. Yeah,
2: Devontae Freeman? Please do that because he's terrible and he's <laughs> going to get hurt. When Jordan Howard went down last year, they signed Jay Ajayi, who's been in Philadelphia before, who's been with Doug Peterson. He never even saw the field. It was still Myers, Miles Sanders' backfield. So there's nobody left, and they didn't invest at all. Uh, the interesting thing is, is what this guy had him projected at. How many touches? 15 to 18. 18. So his Miles Sanders' season average was 112 carries per game and 3.1 receptions uh, season average, so around 15. But from week 11 on, when Jordan Howard was gone, he averaged 15 carries um, after Jordan Howard got hurt and 4 receptions. So he was already up to, last year as a rookie, he was already up to 19 touches a game from week 11 and on. So I feel like that 15 to 18 is a floor and like really conservative. Yes. I'd love to see him get 20 or so touches.
0: I think that's more realistic, too. Like, given the backfield right now, if they do end up signing somebody, Chris Ivory, Devonta Freeman, one of those guys, Marshawn Lynch, who knows what veteran running back. Yeah, they're not going to play. HI, same situation. You know, Miles Sanders is the guy there. They they showed that in the draft by taking Jalen Hurts when they did and not taking running back, like you said, Chase. I, I Real quick, The I know there's not a lot to talk about. We're doing a fucking fantasy football podcast in May. I get it. But to say and predict, like, he's gonna receive 15 to 18 touches per game is the most Pretty like cookie-cutter bullshit I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, have a take. Say he's gonna have 20 to 25. Be, be realistic in this. Like saying what he did last year for a rookie running back that we've we saw probably should have had more touches based on Carson Wentz not being able to hit him out of the backfield just blows my mind of like, how can you not see this guy being a really relevant fantasy player and getting way more touches than the super conservative floor of 15 to 18.
2: It's pretty bad too. As like an insider uh, looking at the number. His projection is what he did last year. Like, are you, are you not going to after yeah. what they've done in the draft and well, they're interested in Carlos side not didn't, didn't sign him. All this, I haven't, haven't picked anyone up. You're not going to project his workload to increase? It blows me away.
0: That's it. Those are the updates for the week. If that's all you wanted, turn the podcast off right now. But we're going to get to some <laughs> more stuff, uh, some more questions that are kind of flying around the the Twitter sphere and fantasy football and sleeper and, and all things. This. So we'll get through these as quick as we can so we can get to some stuff at the end of the show as well. But which receiver... Will show up on Baltimore. Besides Hollywood Brown and tight end Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews blew up last year. He was the steal of most drafts in the tenth, eleventh, twelfth round. Maybe it's Devin Duvernay, the rookie this year, guys. Yeah, I, I I've
1: been trying to figure out which guy is going is going to step up on this offense in the passing game, and. For whatever reason, I'm just not on the I just don't believe in Miles Boykin. And maybe I should. Maybe um maybe there's more reasons to like him. But I feel like Devin Duvernay should be the guy to gamble on with how Lady's going. Um, but at the same time, can we really consider him a gamble when he's walking into a wide receiver two spot, most likely. Now he is competing with another rookie, James Prochet, but before, before rookie drafts started happening, before the NFL draft, Devin DuVernay was getting some, some hype. And so I think I'm just going to ride with that because I, I honestly don't know. I think Dev, DuVernay is the best person to gamble on here.
0: I'm, I'm going to have maybe a little bit of a hot take here. I think Devin DuVernay could have a really hot start and be the waiver claim of the year in fantasy football. Like He's not an ADP guy at all. He's not in the top 250 from four for four ADP, which chase exposed us has been super, super accurate and and pretty reliable sources for four.com uh, for that. But I could just see Devin Duvernay having a couple of huge weeks to start the season as a wide receiver too, that nobody really knows about, you know, he's really fast, uh, great at Texas and could jump right into this offense where he's competing with Willie Sneed, who hasn't done much of anything in Baltimore and You could have a a pretty reliable, I guess, reliable spot start flex guy every now and then uh, in Devin Duvernay, looking down the stretch of your season.
2: He's very, very Terry McLaurin to me. Uh, 5'10", 200, pretty similar build, 4'3", guy, third round draft pick, going undrafted or in the fourth round of your rookie drafts. And the situation – not that Baltimore's bad. It's just that they're literally number one in the NFL in run plays per game and they don't throw that much. But it's just all like all so similar to Terry McLaurin. And I feel like come September or October, when you're looking back on it, you're gonna be like, How did this guy go undrafted? How did nobody spend a, a third round pick on him? I think in our Buffalo dip league draft, I think he went in the fourth round, didn't he?
1: Yes, mm-hmm. fourth round.
2: Yeah. So and that was like our supplemental pick. You couldn't trade that. You're guaranteed to have a fourth round pick. So, but the guy that I kinda wanna shit on here is Miles Boykin, because he's the other obvious, like, oh, well, what about Miles Boykin? Well, in also doing research in slot rate, um, I wanted to look at wide receiver athleticism compared to how they produce on the football field, and if athleticism matters, if their 40-time matters, if their vertical matters, all that jazz, basically everything that they do at the combine, does any of that matter? And what I came up with is no, it doesn't. What's more predictive for wide receivers is if you were actually good in college, then you have a a better chance of being good in the NFL. Um, The correlation between – fantasy points per game and wide receiver athleticism scores was 0.16. I mean, that's barely, that's nothing. Um, and then breakout age compared to breakout age was actually 0.32 correlation. So double the likelihood of you being good and producing fantasy points. If you're good at football, miles Boykin, If you look at his metrics, screaming off the charts, 89th percentile 40-yard dash, 98th percentile speed score, 99th percentile burst, 90th percentile agility score, 99th percentile catch radius. Well, why wasn't he good then? Because he had a 19th percentile breakout age, and he's never been good at football. Oof.
0: Moving right into DK Metcalf, (laughs) who... a lot of his college time was facing injury and is he actually good at football he's a physical freak we got it listed here why is dk metcalf the ultimate buy in dynasty for the 2020 season well seattle they don't throw the ball much well you know, tyler lockett's there they're trying to add antonio brown Bryce, you had this on the show sheet i want to start with you on this one uh why do you got dk as this ultimate buy for dynasty so
1: dk is one of the few Freaky athletic players attached to a top quarterback in the league. That's pretty much all you need to say. He had a mm-hmm. dominant first season. I think he's got to be the future of Seattle Um, and Russell Wilson. Anybody attached to Russell Wilson is going to be successful. And DK doing what he did his first season, the fact that Russell's going to keep playing and that he doesn't ever really get injured – there is no reason why you shouldn't go out and get DK Metcalf at worst. He's the wide receiver too. And I have no doubt in my mind that Russell Wilson can support two receivers on the team. He did it last year. um and it's only going to get better for dK going forward as he develops as a as an elite receiver. And we Kevin, you and I talked about him last week. We kind of kind of comped him to calvin johnson and and I'm not saying he has similar college production because he doesn't but metrics wise they're they're very similar and i mean calvin johnson's been one of the most dominant receivers of all time in nfl history so there's once again another receiver similar to dj Chark, where he's in a situation that you just can't pass up Um, you got to do what you can to go get him i don't think now that the season's over i feel like he's almost even more acquirable than he was during the season so if i'm trying to get dk Now's the time to do it. Throw some feelers out there. See what he's going for in your leagues. I can't imagine that he is a ridiculously expensive player. But then again, some people could feel exactly like me with DK. So um, it's worth a shot at the very least. Uh, he's he's going to take a sophomore leap this season, and it's going to be something to watch. I'm glad that I've came around to the DK train. Um because I said train again. God damn it. I'm tired of saying hype train. I need to stop that.
0: I'll say this about DK. He left the season kind of the opposite of what DJ Chark left the season with. So, DJ Chark, kind of a bad taste in your mouth. He's injured and, and not playing well and, and not really getting the fantasy production that you would love to see. And DK, though not in fantasy football, left his second to last game in that NFC wildcard playoff game. Blasting the Eagles for the best receiving game by a rookie in NFL history, so I think when you were I didn't you first know that. wrapped up your fantasy football season and you're, you know, itching to make moves and trying to get draft picks and things like that, DK stock was fucking way up there. And I'm not saying that it's not up there still, but I think maybe people forgot just how good he was in that game. And I know Philly's secondary and whatever, but it's the second time Seattle played them, and he didn't do anything in the first matchup. So um yeah i'm with you obviously seattle bias in this one he's attached to russell wilson i think i hope i pray to god that they open up this offense a little bit more and and let russ cook um if they don't you know then you're kind of stuck with the number two in a run first offense so that's the devil's advocate
2: but but chase you said athleticism doesn't matter and DK metcalf is an athletic freak yeah well, 71st percentile breakout age, like I said, that's more predictive. And I'm not saying that it's bad to be athletic. It is just more predictive to be good at football like DK Metcalf has 71st percentile breakout age. And we've seen it for a year already in the NFL. He already did it. He's good. Don't give me this Miles Boykin to DK Metcalf athleticism shit.
0: We've talked a ton about the rookies. We've, I mean, so much. We have to. There's nothing else going on. There's no camp. There's no, we see these workouts of AB and his fucking old gear, and we're getting excited about that. But speaking of old receivers, why aren't these older veteran receivers, happen to be pretty damn good at football still, and really reliable when it comes to fantasy football, just another book on the shelf, just thrown away, garbage. I want the young guy. I want the rookie that maybe hasn't even done anything. I'm not talking about the guy last year and DK that broke out or AJ Brown that broke out, but kind of those middle round wide receivers that it's like a lot of people feel like they're stuck with. Instead they should maybe feel the opposite after going RB heavy early in a draft and chase. We've really been diving in on this lately off the pod, but I want you to have your time to go in on these older wide receivers on the pod.
2: Mm, Okay, so I have five veteran go-tos that I've done three uh, Dynasty Startup Drafts within the last week. Um, Best Balls with Kevin, so I've been drafting a lot. Five guys, Dynasty and Seasonal. Adam Thielen, Keenan Allen, Robert Woods, Devontae Parker, and Julian Edelman. And when you dive into their ADP and look at the running backs that are going around them, similar ADPs, you're going to be disgusted with yourself if you were to ever draft Devin Singletary, James Conner, Raheem Mostert, Damian Williams, Kareem Hunt, and Phillip Lindsay are all in that player pool of ADP around Adam Thielen, Keenan Allen, Robert Woods, Devontae Parker, and Julian Edelman. I can list all of their fantasy points per game if you want me to, but I'm not going to do that. I'll just give you the first one, just a little, little taste of this. Adam Thielen is going overall ADP 42, and Devin Singletary is going overall ADP 46. Wide receiver to running back. In 2019, Adam Thielen averaged 19.1 fantasy points per game, and Devin Singletary averaged 12.3. We have a seven point difference if you're going to take a running back there. Not to mention of those running backs that I that I said. Devin Singletary, James Conner, Damian Williams, and Phillip Lindsay all have more competition in 2020 than they did in 2019, and I would project every single one of their fantasy points per game to go down. What happened to Thielen? He got a little banged up, but guess who's gone? Stephon Diggs. What happened to Robert Woods? We know the touchdown regression. Brandon Cooks is gone. It's just um, Devontae Parker. Miami literally didn't add anyone. Julian Edelman. Oh my God, Tom Brady's gone. No, Tom Brady was terrible. Julian Edelman's average depth of target is like 80th in the NFL. He doesn't run deep. It's like Jared Stidham can throw him the ball. He was like number three, number three in the NFL in targets. Those aren't going anywhere. Who's stealing those from him? Nikhil Harry, Mohamed Sanu, like Julian Edelman at 97th overall or Philip Lindsay at 96. Get out of here. It's absurd.
0: The point of all this is draft running back early. Just get it done. Get it over with.
1: I got one quick thing to add to um, when it comes to veteran receivers, and in Dynasty especially, it always feels like there's two options. You either rebuild or you go for it. And you should always go for it, but, but a lot of people want to rebuild and do it through the draft, blah, blah, blah. And I've never tried the strategy to go out and acquire these veteran receivers And see if that can actually get you to where you want to be, especially when, like you clearly state, that these guys, ADP-wise, are going in spots that they clearly shouldn't. And um, wasn't there something, Chase, that you showed us where uh, receivers between the age of 27 to 32 or 33 actually produce more fantasy points than they do the years before year 27?
2: Yeah, so the average points per game for a twenty-five-year-old receiver is thirteen point one, and the average points per game for a thirty-one-year-old wide receiver is thirteen point one. They're the same. Twenty-five to thirty-one. People are so turned off by the veteran wide receiver, mainly because one, people think that this whole age apex thing is like a it's a fantasy thing. No, it's a athletic capability. Yeah. Athletic performance rate. You're going to start dropping off at 26, but that doesn't necessarily translate to, as we see, a dip in fantasy points and that you really don't see like a big drop off until age 35 is where average points per game goes down to 10.4. Most guys aren't even playing that long. Um, so it's just people really want the rookies and they're just turned off by these, these older guys. Yes, they get injured a little more. Um, but the average points per game is there. There's such a value. It's insane. Stop drafting running backs where you can take these wide receivers.
0: And then everyone's happy because you don't have Devin Singletary and you, or Zach Moss, and you're just, oh, you feel so much better. Speaking of guys that we'll never fucking touch, let's get into that. Let's get into guys that we, we have to have in drafts and guys that we will never, ever physically be capable of drafting. Bryce, get yours written down here. Let's start with you. Uh, At the top of your list, I don't know if this is a guy that you would love to have or a guy that you would hate to have, but I I wanna start with you first. Yeah, so I'm gonna start with the guys that I have to have for Mm
1: -hmm. the 2020 season. And I took a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver, and a tight end based on ADP and why I wanted those players. Kirk Cousins, who I have not been an advocate of supporting in fantasy football, has to be my, my quarterback that I have to acquire. When I look at his ADP, he's, he's quarterback 21. You have Drew Locke, Joe Burrow, Ryan Tannehill, Ben Roethlisberger, Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield, Daniel Jones, all the way up at QB 13, all being drafted ahead of him. How? Kirk Cousins for the last five years has finished as a top fifteen quarterback. He should be going way sooner than quarterback twenty one, um, and I and I'm assuming it's because they don't have Stephon Diggs. Well, Justin Jefferson's coming in, and and a lot of people believe he's gonna he's gonna pop his first season. And he still has Adam Thielen there. They're obviously gonna throw the ball. They're gonna they're gonna dump it off to Dalvin Cook. He the guy manages to finish in the top 15 the past five years. I feel like going or going at quarterback 21 is just way too late. So you can wait to get a quarterback right there. That's the guy I think I want to take. Um, we go to running back, Matt Breda, RB 40. Now this one's going to be an unpopular one because Jordan Howard's in Miami appearing to be the featured running back, but Matt Breda is at 40. And I personally think that Matt Breda is a better running back than Jordan Howard. So, um, I think the Dolphins might realize that at a certain point in the season, and and if Matt Breda, who's going to be the pass catching running back, uh, ends up getting more touches than I think what people are expecting, especially when he's being drafted RB 40, he could be a great, great late edition um, pick in your in your drafts. We've already talked about Paris Campbell. That's another guy. He's going at his wide receiver 66. I think he's a great um, flex play possibly if if things go his 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 way. Um, I'm a believer in that guy, so I want to take a gamble with him late in drafts. And Hayden Hurst at tight end twelve isn't necessarily um a value pick by any means, but if he fills the Austin Hooper role in Atlanta and fills it well, I mean you're you could you could hypothetically look at a top I want to say eight to seven season. So Hayden Hurst has to be on my list for for a tight end that I, I really want to add and and because tight ends just don't have that much value if you're not playing in tight end premium leagues there's no point in drafting any of the top guys and I'll, I'll talk about the guys I I don't want to draft in, in 20, uh, 2020 but those are my four guys that I think I'm going to be going after in, in seasonal just because of where they're landing in drafts
0: I like it um, I'm going to keep mine, mine short make it get rolling here but uh, the QB that I'm I'm really starting to like more and more and um, Chase has been a big advocate of this. I have him in another league as my QB two, and I think that that's kind of fair, especially in Superflex, It's is really fair to have him in this spot. But it's Derek Carr, um, slept on a ton. Quarterback twenty seven in ADP. I mean, that's just that's bad. That's not draftable. That's not it's not playing um, in a ten team league. Like, yikes. So Derek Carr, all the weapons that they've added, he was actually not that bad. He's had an MVP caliber season in his his back pocket. Um, before he got hurt, broke his leg. I like Derek Carr. Um, I won't get into all the ADP that's around him, largely in part because I didn't fucking look it up. Running back. (laughs) The running backs that I want are one of the good ones. Check that. Two of the good ones. I want one of the guys that's in the first two rounds. I'm not spending my draft picks on any other position but running back in the first one, two, and probably three rounds unless something egregious happens and somebody starts to slide. So draft those guys. Wide receiver. I've got him in, I think, every single league. Best ball that I've ever done. Um, seasonal. And, of course, Dynasty. We talked about him all day. It's DJ Chark. Love the guy. He's going at the fourth round. People weren't really buying into him like we are. Um, he's had one good year. The first season was a shit show. I love DJ Chark. And my tight end is a second-year guy from Iowa. Remember TJ Hawkinson before he landed on his head and didn't play? I do. He was supposed to be the next Gronk. So if I can get TJ Hawkinson at like tight end 17, tight end 15, super late in my draft, to me, he could be the next Mark Andrews. So those are my guys. Don't draft tight end early. Don't draft quarterback early. Let everybody else take whatever they want to do because the value that you're getting isn't as good as what you could get potentially with these guys. Is it a shoe-in? No, but that's a risk you're gonna have to be willing to take if you want to have a built out roster that could really pop with somebody like TJ Hawkinson in your tight end spot late in a draft.
2: So I'm just gonna go one on one. One I want, one I don't. And I'm gonna piggyback on Derek Carr. Six seasons in the NFL, Derek Carr's fantasy finishes are QB 20, QB 14, QB 10, QB 19, QB 18, and QB 17. He's never finished worse than QB 2. He has one QB 1 season. That was that MVP season. Last season, he averaged 15.77 fantasy points per game. And the QB's 9 and QB 10, Carson Wentz and Aaron Rodgers, averaged 17.68 and 17.65. Derek Carr had no one. I have a little question for you guys as well. If Antonio Brown was in Oakland, would Derek Carr have been able to average two more fantasy points per game and been a quarterback one when this year he's being drafted as QB 27? I mean, that it's not even, I don't even really want to ask you guys because, it's, it's,
1: yeah, it's a rhetorical right? question. The answer is yes. Rhetorical question. It's like, a yes
0: from me.
2: AB's probably getting that guy two more fantasy points per game. He's quarterback one in fantasy. Everyone's shitting on him. I put up a blind poll on Twitter asking about, based on these efficiency percentages below, which quarterback would you rather have? And I was comparing uh, passer rating, true completion percentage, play action completion percentage, deep ball completion percentage, pressured completion percentage, clean pocket completion percentage, all the metrics for a quarterback throwing the ball. 88% of you that voted on Twitter, quarterback one was Derek Carr and quarterback two was Russell Wilson. 88% of you said based on these quarterback efficiency numbers, you would rather have Derek Carr. I am not saying that Derek Carr is better than Russell Wilson. (laughs) Derek Carr is not better than Russell Wilson. Derek Carr hasn't won a Super Bowl. Derek Carr is a worse quarterback in every single way than Russell Wilson. Fantasy, real life, um, rushing abilities, everything. My point is Derek Carr at QB 27, who's never finished that low in his life, has no weapons until now they've added Henry Ruggs. We've gone over this over and over and over again that I don't want him as my QB one. Sure. But that floor of always finishing as a QB two. If you get him as your QB two or third quarterback in a, in a two quarter and a, yeah, in a two quarterback league, you're living like it's, it's crazy. So Derek Carr, my avoid though is in the backfield and it is Nick Chubb. I'm not touching Dick Chubb. I'm just not going to do it. And here's why before Kareem hunt came off suspension in week 10, Nick Chubb averaged 19 fantasy points per game. Whoa. After Kareem Hunt, who now has a second-round tender on him, by the way. Browns love him. Nick Chubb averaged 12 fantasy points per game. You want to know who averaged 12 fantasy points per game last year? Devin Singletary.
0: Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, God. Don't do it.
2: Don't draft Nick Chubb. Sure, Kareem Hunt could be trade bait. He could be traded during the season to somebody who wants to pay for him. But I'm not taking that risk. I'm not taking Nick Chubb. He goes before Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs in every single draft. I'm taking those two before Nick Chubb every single time.
0: Bryce, you've got four guys, a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver, and a tight end, who you're not going to have on a roster this year. And I'm interested to hear who those guys are.
1: Yeah, I think the most surprising one here is Daniel Jones – going as quarterback 13? Huh? Quarter qu- qu- quarterback 13. How? How? He's never it, it, I I don't even have anything to say. I just don't understand. What what's so alluring about Daniel Jones that you want to draft him as the 13th best quarterback on your list? How is that possible? He he, he is not produce that in his first season, nor is he going to do that maybe ever, maybe ever. He doesn't have, he doesn't have phenomenal weapons in New York, and his best player, his best teammate is Saquon Barkley, who yes does occasionally catch the ball, but that's the primary offensive weapon out of out of New York, and I just don't understand why Daniel Jones is going so early. So I'm not touching Daniel Jones, and I wouldn't touch him even if he was farther down the list at maybe quarterback 25, let's say, for example. I wouldn't touch him there either. Second guy, Mark Ingram, RB27. Sure, that's a fair spot for Mark Ingram, but what we do know is that they have J.K. Dobbins there. As the season progresses, J.K. Dobbins is going to get more and more touches, eventually becoming their number one guy. I don't want Mark Ingram at the end of the road when I'm going into the championship and he's my maybe RB2, RB3 it's just too much. It's too risky for me. I would rather have, I would rather have J.K. Dobbins and sit on him until the end of the year, where I could actually play him, and and it might there might be more upside with that type of player. Wide receiver AJ Green, wide receiver twenty nine. It doesn't matter where where AJ Green's going. He hasn't played in two seasons. Um, I, I like Tyler Boyd more than I like AJ Green. I like John Ross more than I like AJ Green. I like T. Higgins. More than I liked A.J. Green. I don't know if A.J. Green's even going to play this year. That's not the gamble I want to take. That's too risky of a pick. And last but not least is Travis Kelsey. I've never drafted Travis Kelsey once in my entire life of playing fantasy football. He goes way too early. He's going... His current ADP is 10. So the 10th pick in 10 or 12-man leagues, he's going... At that pick in the first round, that is too rich for me. That is just not going to happen. We've talked about drafting running backs early, uh, especially in the first three rounds. I would never draft a tight end in the first three rounds in my life. It just doesn't happen. I, I, I'm, I'm so out on that. It's not. It's not funny. Uh, I think Travis Kelsey is the the tight end one in fantasy football, but it just cuts out so many other better players that, uh, across the board that I I think have more consistent upside than Travis Kelsey, whether it's running back, quarterback, or wide receiver. Um, I'm more of a late round tight end guy, so I'm not gonna ever, probably ever, touch Travis Kelsey in drafts, and um, yeah, that's where I'm at.
0: Those are good, Uh, really good. Like the ADPs on there as well. I'll start with mine. Similar to Travis Kelsey, and, and I've kind of got two guys that their ADP per the position that they play far, 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 you know, limits your value that you can get in, in a, in a season or a dynasty or whatever type of draft you're doing. And a quarterback for me is Lamar Jackson. Remember last year when Lamar Jackson wasn't drafted in your family league or your home league or your league with all your buddies? And after the first few weeks of the season, he was everybody's waiver claim and he blew all your fab on him. And then you were set. Because you were starting Matthew Stafford, and then you had Lamar Jackson who had went on to win the fucking MVP, and you were good. Okay, well, don't draft him in the first round or the second round. Get running backs because you can go get a quarterback that's going to finish 50 to 60 points off of what Lamar is going to do this year without having to spend that capital. Oh, yeah, and you got running backs where you were going to take him instead. Now let's get to running back. There's two guys that I'm not touching. I don't think Derrick Henry is going to lead the league in rushing. And I think Aaron Jones is in an RBBC now. With A.J. Dillon there, uh, it's, they wanted to add another running back. Aaron Jones had a phenomenal season last year, an anomaly season, if you ask me. And per his draft capital and what he's done before this last season, really was kind of a one-hit wonder. Derrick Henry took forever to get to last season, where he finally blew up and was finally really good. We can't count on these guys to do what they did last year. And right now, their ADP is suggesting they're going to do it again. And I don't believe it. I'd rather take a guy that has already done what he's done, one of the actual good running backs that are getting drafted in the first hmm, one through six picks, than one of these guys that had a great, successful big-time season the year before. Wide receiver is Odo Beckham Jr. for me. I'm not going to get burned by him again. You know, I've had countless buddies take him over the years in the first or second round. And it's just... It's really, really hard to see Odell go from being a, a number true number one, true elite wide receiver. The numbers that he put up were ungodly in New York. And and now he gets to the the Browns, and it's it's been a shit show. Uh, there are all the rumors about him getting traded. They can't figure out the offense, another new offensive coordinator, another new coach. Like there's too much change to invest what you're investing in Odell Beckham Jr., especially if you got money in a league. Like in a lot of fantasy football leagues, we're throwing real money on the line. I'm not risking whatever I'm paying to buy into a league and have that all blow up in my face because Odell Beckham jr. Was the guy I took in the first or second round instead of, um, a running back and finally tight end is George Kittle. So same exact argument Bryce made for Travis Kelsey. The price is just too steep. And when you can go to the waiver wire or you can go late in the draft and pick up a guy like last year was Mark Andrews or Hayden Hurst or TJ Hawkinson, super late, Noah Fant's going to be late. You know, they're, Tyler Higby came out of nowhere last year. Will Disley. I mean, there's so many tight ends that over the year, over the course of a season, are going to be available for you to pick up either off a waiver wire or super late in a draft to where you don't need to spend your your number one pick, your first or second pick on tight end. So if you want to contend for a playoff spot, go ahead, take a tight end. I'd love to see it. If you want to win your league, wait on tight end, wait on quarterback. It's not that hard. Once you figure out the system of fantasy football, it's all up to luck. Certainly not saying that this model is going to win you your league, but you know, we've kind of proven it looking at how deep the rosters have been in these best ball drafts and chase and all your dynasty drafts that you've done up out of nowhere. Like you've got the deepest team because you wait on positions that don't have as much value as others like it it just doesn't make sense to me to take those those positions that early. To wrap up the show, Chase has got a little bit of uh, stuff about his regression models that he's been building and he's been peppering our group chat with this and wants to get it out of the pod and it gets fucking awesome. So Chase, take it away with some of this stuff.
2: Yeah, so I've been talking about these linear regression models quite a bit on this episode. If you don't know what they are, it helps a lot to be able to see it. So what we're planning on doing is we're going to release them Reveal them on Instagram. So if you're not following us on Instagram yet, at Tutty Talk, go hit us up on Instagram. We're going to be posting these. We want to, I want to know, do you guys like this? Do you not? Give us some feedback. Is this helpful? Because we all think it's super cool, super nerdy, but it really helps to be able to have that graph sitting in front of you and seeing actually what I'm talking about in front of your eyes.
0: Love it. Bryce, again, anything else before we call it a night?
1: No, I'm all good over here.
0: That's it. That is the show. So news, notes, updates, and more questions. We're going to keep it rolling all the way through the offseason. It's only May, and we're just getting started with the Tutty Talk podcast. So we'll talk tutties with you guys next week. Uh, Go ahead and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, as Chase said. Don't forget to go over to Apple Podcasts and listen to it over there. We'd prefer that. Smash that subscribe button. Give us a five-star review. And, yeah, we'll talk tutties with you next week.